My name is Sarah. And I'm Brie. And with us today, we have special guest, author Denise N. Wheatley. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so we happy are, to be here. We are so excited that you're here. <laughs> I'm excited too. Okay. Before we get into questions, because we have so much to talk to you about, we've already mm-hmm. been chatting and laughing before we even hit record. Tell us a little a bit about you. Give give our listeners a brief introduction. Okay. I, I never know where to start with these. Well, I'll start by saying I've always loved books. Books have always been my obsession. So that's my biggest hobby, main hobby. I got that from my mom. She loved books, so I love them too. And so I've always been a voracious reader, love to read, love to write. That parlayed into me wanting to write after wanting to read all the time, uh, I would say after college graduation. That's when I started my first book. So I was born and raised in Chicago. I was just telling Sarah I would like to move to Hawaii, and I'm serious about that, Oahu <laughs> to be exact. Right. So, um, but yeah, so I, I'm not really exciting at this point in my life. I used to be a party girl, but now I've calmed down. All I do is read and write. Mm-hmm. It's pretty boring, but it's exciting for me. Oh, and watch True think, Crime, of course. Of course. We, we yeah. think you are so cool. So, yeah. <laughs> I love you all. Thank you. So, okay. Congratulations on your Harlequin Intrigue debut, Cold Yay. Case True Crime. Do you do anything fun to celebrate each of your release dates? Well, before the pandemic, I would go out to dinner, mm-hmm. uh, celebrate that way with food, of course. And you know, cheap meals only, nothing healthy during Mm -hmm. everything fried to celebrate dessert, hot chocolate, all that good stuff. Now, you know what? Honestly, I have so many deadlines. I celebrate by just moving on to the next book. Okay, It is unfortunate, but that is, that's how I celebrate. I'm just happy to be moving on to knock out that next deadline. That's right. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So can you go ahead, Mm Brie? Go ahead. Oh, Can you share with us your romance origin story? How did you become a romance reader? Do you remember your first uh, or favorite authors and titles? Mm -hmm. So this started on my mother's bookshelf. And Mm -hmm. I've told this story before. I would sneak to my mother's bookshelf and read books I had no business reading. So it was Jackie Collins, (laughs) Danielle Steele, Sidney Sheldon, all of those books. I just loved them. Uh, I think one of my favorites that stood out is a book called Butterfly by Catherine Harvey, one of my absolute favorites. Um, so yeah, that's where the journey started. I tried to do Stephen King, Mm-mm. put that down as soon as I picked it up. Mm-hmm. First, page one of The Shining, no, that was, I couldn't do it. So yeah, yeah, but it was, it was my mom's books, reading her books way, way, way too early. That's okay. You yeah. said Sydney Sheldon, I've never heard that name before. What did oh, she write? My mom that's loved. That's a ma'am. Yeah, yeah, he's a male author. He's a he male wrote, author? Okay. Yes, you mm-hmm. would love him. He mm-hmm. is okay. amazing. So there's romance, a lot of time, a little bit of mystery, a little bit of intrigue. Mm-hmm. Takes you all over the world. He was an excellent writer, and he's written a lot of books. Yes. So, yeah, you would love him, Brie. I suggest you check him out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're our second author that's ever mentioned Danielle Steele. And we talk really? about her a lot because I haven't read her. Sarah, have you read her? I think I read like one or two, but I think at the time I read her, she, it was like the story was the same. She just kept changing the characters' names. That's how it felt to me after a while. <laughs> <laughs> I never know, like, where do you start with Danielle Steele? Because she puts out like a hundred books a year. Right. Yeah, she writes a lot of books, but you know, it, her books, I would say they're just a big escape. Big mm-hmm. escape. You know, you know what you're getting yourself into when you read it. It's lightweight, perfect mm-hmm. beach read. I know she wrote a book called Bungalow Two, which is one of my favorites, simply because it was based on the Beverly Hills Hotel in Los Ooh. Angeles, one of my favorite places. And the woman okay. was a writer in the book. I loved that one. So yeah, I love Danielle Steele. I will have to look that one up. Yeah. 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 I hauled she had a release that came out, I think, last year. And it sounds really it sounds women's fiction, but then the heroine like is um, going back and like reconnecting with like three loves of her life. So I'm hoping mm. there's a romance in there. <laughs> I think <laughs> I'm like, of, I love almost, the premise of the story. Yeah. I think almost all of her books, not every single one probably, but a lot of them do have a romantic premise. So yeah. 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 So on your website, you write that you are a lover of romance, happy endings, and the art of storytelling. 
at what point did you realize you wanted to pursue writing stories of your own? So we know you've always been a reader. When did it click like, okay, writing is a passion and I want to do it professionally? So professionally, definitely right after college. That's when I started writing. And actually, it was supposed to be a young adult novel that I was writing. But then I'm like, you know what? I wanted to talk about dating and romance and friendship and careers. I wanted to talk about some more adult things. So that whole idea parlayed into more of an adult book. So, But I wanted to seriously pursue it as a career after college graduation. I wrote a short story my senior year called Too Hot to Handle. Don't get me started. It was a young Can adult. Can we get it as a novella? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was actually a young adult story, but it got rave reviews in my English class. So that's when I thought, hmm, maybe I can try this. But, you know, the thought of thinking you can write a book, that's a big thought. Mm-hmm. So I always said, if I can write three chapters, I can write a whole book. So three chapters in, I really thought I was too hot to handle. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in 2004, you published your first book, a chiclet novel called I Wish I Never Met You with uh, Simon and Schuster. Mm-hmm. First thing, how would you describe chiclet? And secondly, can you share with us your journey into publishing? Now we have to preface this. Can we say, uh oh, Sarah and I <laughs> chat probably twice a week about At least. what is chiclet? Yeah. We read a lot of books that we think are chiclet, but mm-hmm. then other people read them and they're like, no, it's just women's fiction or it's, mm-hmm. it's a romantic comedy. So yeah. we were so happy when you had on your site that you actually <laughs> wrote a chiclet because we're like, finally, we're like that much closer <laughs> to, the to getting an answer. <laughs> well, I hope I don't get it all wrong. Um, <laughs> you know, that's interesting. I've actually looked up that topic as well because you have romance, then they say chiclet and then women's fiction. So it's like, what is what? Mm-hmm. I think with Chicklet, it's super focused on the heroine. So, you know, when we write romance, you might get that 50-50 story, the, the sure. point of view of the female character, then the male. Chicklet, in my opinion, focuses solely on that heroine's um, philosophy, her thought process, her ideas, mm-hmm. her actions, what she's doing. So those stories for me are always driven by the female character, and I don't really get into the head of the male character. Okay. And also, I think there's a freedom in writing chick lit where an author can really uh, add her own voice to a character, different sides of a personality. I think it's just uh, there aren't as many rules, mm-hmm. at least okay. for me when I write them. I just there's just a freedom there. So the character might and I wish I never met you. My character was pretty wild. So you can be a little bit more wild, take a little bit more risk than maybe your average uh, romance novel. Okay. So. So can we go a little bit deeper and ask, what do you think the difference between chiclet and women's fiction is? Well, I'm sure I'm wrong about this. To me, women's fiction feels more literary. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I, I could be wrong in that. That's just how it feels. I, more serious? I don't know. That's just more that, serious. That's just my t- yeah. Yeah, yeah, a more serious yeah. tone, whereas I think Chicklet is just a little bit more quirky. You can look at the covers and just mm-hmm. see there's like a quirkiness to them and it's a little bit lighter and more upbeat. And that, and not all of them, but a lot of them. Yeah. Women's fiction, it runs a little bit deeper. It might be a little bit heavier. So deal with more serious issues in a different type, in a more serious way. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're on the same page. I agreed. Agreed. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. That is a relief. I did something right. <laughs> this has been like an ongoing weekly 2021 conversation. <laughs> yeah. Because we, we, um, what was it, Mark? When did we do, we, we have a book club with one of our best friends and we wanted a chiclet classics. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we have like Bridget, we, we always like, we come up with three titles and we let friends pick the pick for us. Like yeah. whichever one gets the most votes, that's what we go with. So we have Bridget Jones's diary because I've never read it. Mm-hmm. And Sarah has, and she was like, I hope no, it doesn't No, I never win. read it. I won't. I'm not a fan. But oh, anyway. You, did you watch the movie? Was it the movie you watched? It was the movie and I'm not a fan of wa- the lead actress. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it didn't win. And I was like, okay. okay. So a lot of friends were just like, it doesn't really hold up. So we have those examples. We know Sophie Kinsella and stuff like right. that. But mm-hmm. after that, like everything that we were getting recommended, because we do a lot of research finding what picks to even put out there, yeah, yeah. was romantic comedies. And I'm like, mm. what is, what's, what's the, di-? so we're like constantly having this conversation. So I was like, yeah. finally, we have an author that's wrote one. <laughs> and it's, it's hard too, when you look at covers, like you were saying, you know, by looking at a cover, but now you can't tell by looking at the cover. Look at the right. Kiss Potent. Right. Mm-hmm. I've seen that shelved in the YA section of my bookstore. 
Like, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, a lot of the covers, especially with the more of the animated covers. Yes. There there may be a heavy storyline, but that cover does have that lightweight, colorful yeah. look to it. So yeah. it, it, it can be confusing. It can be yeah. confusing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, how did you get into publishing? Oh, yes. so yes. So okay. <laughs> now now I'm gonna age myself. You all are gonna realize I'm 85 years old, but that's oh, no. okay. <laughs> We're all friends here. That's right. <laughs> We're all friends. So, you know, I took the really traditional route in getting my first book published, which was I Wish I Never Met You. I queried to agents. I just threw away all of my rejection letters. I think I had close to 100 rejection letters. So, wow. but I queried like a crazy person, got mm-hmm. signed to an agency. And then that that is a long process. So then, you know, it usually takes them about a good year to get a book picked up. So we shopped the book to all the majors and it ended up getting picked up by Simon and Schuster, which was so very exciting. Mm-hmm. So, and that was the route that I took initially. So much has changed since then, as you all know. Self-publishing has gotten so much more popular. A lot of the majors are allowing authors to submit without an agent. So, that was my journey. But I know it's it's so different now. So, mm-hmm. can I ask a question on that before we keep going? Mm-hmm. So. Like we know with Harlequin, right? You can submit without an agent. Right. In the case where you need an agent, like what does the agent kind of, what do they stand for? Like what are they needed for in that process? I think that if an author can obtain an agent, especially agent to a well-known who might have a, a very good reputation in the business, Publishers look at them and say, well, if this author was signed by this agent, then their work is worth looking at. So I think it's almost like when, you know, a company wants to use an agency to hire people, they've already been screened. I think in a way, publishers look at agents as being kind of like a screener. So it's like if if this author got this far in the process, then their work might be worth looking at. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in a way, you send your work to an agent Mm -hmm. and... If you're, if they like what you're doing, mm-hmm. that's kind of like a good first step. That's now half it's... the battle, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and then your nice. agent might have you edit. You know, your agent might, you know, have a relationship with the publishers, and they know what they're looking for, so they'll tell you, "Hey, I think you should change this and okay. do this," and and that'll give you an even better chance of getting in in the door at one of the big publishers. Okay, so interesting. Wow, was, <laughs> I I was today years old when I learned. <laughs> yeah. <Like, laughs> that is so interesting because so now it makes sense because the agent they're really going to be kind of hip to what the publishers are looking for absolutely and then they can help negotiate a good contract for you Mm -hmm. you know so they can help negotiate with that and then if you're looking to sell movie rights they can help you with that so they definitely they can definitely serve a good purpose shout out to agents (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so cold case true crime is mm-hmm. book number four in the an unsolved mystery series mm-hmm. what was your journey like to becoming published with harlequin and how did you become connected with this series that's being written by different authors so it's what it, that's a continuity right we've i'm trying to remember these terms that we've learned is this well you know we've... they're all standalones yeah okay. so and then they have a common theme which is cold cases Okay, because I was like, okay. how does this book connect to these other books? Now I feel like I need to go read those. But, yeah. okay, so we don't necessarily have to have read them in order. Right, not at all. They're all okay. standalone books okay, that, that have, you know, how Harlequin has the, the mm-hmm. set ending, which is going to be, you know, more of an upbeat ending. So you have that with all of them, them in common. And then, of course, them being cold cases. But otherwise, they're all individual characters, individual storylines. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, and then as far as Harlequin is concerned... So I've been wanting to write for Harlequin for many, many years, but you know, it Harlequin has a certain style and you have to fit in to, you know, what that style is. And so it's, it's taken me some time to kind of hone my skills to be what, cause I'll tell you, I never really did that 50, 50 thing where we do the heroine's point of view, then the hero's point of view. I'd never really done that before. So that was something new I had to take mm-hmm. on. And, um, and, you know, I write the sweet novels for Thule, and then with this and with my true crime thing, I know they have the intrigue line. And I say, you know what? I, I just decided to try something new. And so I yeah. decided to submit to intrigue. And I uh, kind of did some research on what they were looking for. I knew that 
bloggers, you know, that was a popular thing, looking for some, you know, crime writers and things like that. So I created this, you know, story, Cold mm-hmm. Case True Crime, submitted it. And, and you know, I they were asked, or I was asked for the first chapter and a full proposal of the book. So, you know, you start inching in close. That was the closest that I'd gotten. So I started getting excited. I'm like, okay, this might happen. And, you know, slowly but surely I got in. The editor's like, okay, we like your voice. We like this. So, you know, they picked up the book. So it's been fantastic. And my poor editor now, I'm, I'm in contact with her every two weeks. I have an idea. I have a new proposal. So now I've carried myself. <laughs> I'm five books in and a series now. So, you know, good luck to me with trying to get all that done. Oh my gosh. Awesome. <laughs> so you. you did you find out later, like they contacted you and said, Hey, we like we like this, we're gonna take it. And by the way, it's going to be part of a series. So I did find that out later. Okay. Because what happened was, you know, and I was involved in an author summit, and I'd actually written this book already, but with the author summit, Harlequin will list, hey, these are the books that are really sell the genres that are really selling, you know, or subgenres, I should say, mm-hmm. and what readers seem to be really interested in. And one of those things was cold cases. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it was just a coincidence that several of us had written these cold case novels and we all know series do well. People like a series. They like a common theme and that, mm-hmm. you know, continuous aspect of, of whatever the book is about. So with this one being cold cases, people liking that idea, it all just came together. So and I was really excited to be a part of that because, of course, you've got these really well-established authors mm-hmm. who are involved in this series. And I thought it would be a good way to kind of introduce myself into that into that line. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is awesome. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I love it. Um, In Cold Case True Crime, our heroine, Samantha, is a blogger for a site called Elevate, where she pens a column called A Woman's Guide to Practical Living. But when not writing the column, she's dedicated to her personal true crime blog, Someone Knows Something, that Mm -hmm. brings awareness to unsolved cold cases. What inspired the idea to have her be a blogger? Well, I love writing about writers. I need to probably stop because I've done it a few times. But (laughs) the idea of her being a writer, I love that. And I also love the idea of realistically having a character who has a day job. Mm -hmm. So she's got this day job working for the magazine, you know, with writing these articles about common everyday living practices, like, you know, how to stay organized when you've got a lot of children or something like that. But then she's got this passion and she wanted to really do something with it and not make it just, you know, a little you know, something that that wouldn't have any impact on society. So she loves true crime and she likes to write. So I thought with this character putting that together, I could come up with a really great plot to make her a part of something important, you know, within her community. So that's how it came about where she actually wrote for her day job and then, you know, something that would help her pursue her actual passion. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I I love stories about writers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the social media aspect of her, like writing for the magazine, like, you know, giving women advice. And mm-hmm. then as soon as she logs off and sends that to like her editor at the mm-hmm. magazine, it's like, okay, let me go into this dark world. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let me go do my real job that she That's doesn't right, even yeah. know about. But yeah, because right. she was irritated when her boss needed something. She's like, ma'am, I'm trying to solve a case here. I don't yeah. have time for your, your edits. Yeah. <laughs> and isn't it like that in real life? We're like, excuse me, I am pursuing my passion. I don't have time to do the yes. job that pays me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There- the body discovered by the dumpster girl okay you got yes. your 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 column here about yes. using calendars i'm trying to solve crime yes let I me get it. back to trying to save my own life Thanks. that's right <laughs> so samantha is dedicated and passionate about the unfortunate content that winds up on someone knows something mm-hmm. and we see her have moments where she's in situations where she realizes she's vulnerable and could easily be one of the victims that she writes about. So one of the quotes that we highlighted is Samantha glanced down at the ground, her lone shadow, a stark reminder that she was unaccompanied in the unnerving darkness. Moments like these brought on uh, paranoid thoughts of all the unsolved cases she worked so hard to crack. Many of those victims found themselves in her exact same position seconds before their demise, isolated and vulnerable. So, we know from your website that you enjoy true crime. So mm-hmm. what do you think it is about true crime that women viewers and readers enjoy so much? Because just from like 
listening to podcasts and Googling, like the majority of fans of true crime are women. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think it is that women readers and viewers enjoy so much? And um, what was it? What about sharing this love of yours? Did you enjoy most about exploring with Samantha and Gregory's romance? Well, first, I think that women love true crime so much because, you know, we all deal with good versus evil and we all have our darker thoughts, but most of us don't act on them. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a fascination there because we're like, what would make this person actually act on this and actually take someone's life or commit such a detrimental crime? Uh, I know I'm fascinated by that whole idea. So I love watching and I, I you know, and it's not so much the serial killers. It's the everyday people. I'm like, what came over this man to make him kill his wife? You know, that that is fascinating. So I think it's a curiosity there. We want to know what what causes someone to snap and hearing those backstories and then putting ourselves in those shoes and always thinking, what will we do differently? I think that's also something a lot of people do, too, trying to I do that all the time. I'm the criminal trying to figure out how I do it differently. I am interrogating people trying to figure out what I would ask. I'm the victim. Like, how am I going to get myself out of this? So you all see, I just go way too far with it. So (laughs) that is fine. Yeah. Just just put it in a book so that we can read it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Doing way too much. Now, yeah, I need to put it in a book. So I'll stop in real life. But, um, but yes, I think that's just a fascination of just figuring out what is on a person's mind to make them get to that point. And, Mm -hmm. um, and how can we make sure we don't do that? So we won't spend the rest of our lives in jail. So there's that. And, um, (laughs) I think with, Samantha and Gregory's romance, I like the idea of she's not in law enforcement, but she's so passionate about uh, crime in a way that people in law enforcement really are. So, you know, to have her approach this detective who is, you all know how loyal he is to the force and ask him, this case is cold. It's been, you know, it's been closed. They're done with it. So to ask him to go against his brothers in blue and join her team to try and help figure out what happened to this victim. You know, I think that says a lot about his, how he felt about her just as a person overall. And yeah, he thinks she's pretty too. So it means they can spend a little (laughs) bit more time together and he doesn't immediately give into it, but you know, so I think there's that tension where they can't really do anything about how they're feeling because they want to help try and solve this crime. But at the same time, they know there's a little something there too. So I enjoyed exploring that, Mm. that tension between them. Yeah, it was a great contrast because Samantha has been, you can tell she's been doing this for a while. So she's like ready to go. Let's investigate. Let's get down to it. And Gregory being an actual law enforcement officer mm-hmm. has to reel her back in sometimes mm-hmm. like, we can't do this. No, you can't break into somebody's house. Did he invite you in? No, you broke in. And she's like, that's not what really happened. And and he's like, ma'am, you didn't have an invite. Why did you go in there? And then we won't give anything away, but you remember the whole warehouse scene. Yes. She she insisted on going in that warehouse. You know, so I won't give it away, but yeah. You know, there was a scene where Gregory has to remind her, if I was like really in my law enforcement mode, I'd arrest you right now. You'd be in jail. (laughs) Samantha, you'd be at at a trial right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. See, it took like, reading these books are kind of scary for me. I don't read a lot of like romantic suspense. So I'm like... Sarah and I were reading it and I'm like messaging her like, so I'm kind of a wimp. This is really intense for me. And I know she loves it. Like we'll be messaging before bed. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm watching CSI. And I'm like, watching it's like CSI. 10 o'clock at night. What are yeah. you doing? Yeah. Yeah. There's a cutoff point. It gets to be about, you know, a little late at night. You're like, okay, I need to cut this out. Well, I usually follow it up with an episode or two of the Golden Girls just to, you know, for balance. <laughs> You've got to bring it back down. I completely right? understand. Mine is New Adventures of Old Christine. I, there yes. you go. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, excuse me. In the book, Gregory is the new detective in small town uh, Gatenberg after having left big city Chicago. For the story you wanted to tell, what about a small town worked better over the se- over setting the story in a big city like Chicago? So I, well, first, I like the idea of this burnout detective coming from this big city, having dealt with all of these, you know, overwhelming cases that are so heavy. He's exhausted. He wants to come to the small town and relax and just deal with the kid who stole the soda from the convenience store. (laughs) 
<laughs> so he does not expect to get himself involved in a case this deep, you know, mm-hmm. and then it's not even really a case that he's supposed to be working on anyway. So I like that concept of him, you know, getting in, enthralled in this situation that was totally unexpected. And then I like the, the small town aspect where everybody knows everybody. So it makes it a little bit more complicated. You know, in big cities, we're so spread out. So you really, nobody really cares that much unless it's in a really small community, things happening. But in this town, everybody knows everybody. Everybody's a suspect. We're looking yeah. over our shoulders, trying to figure out, well, who, who could it be? Mm-hmm. So I think that brought a, an element uh, of suspense that you wouldn't have gotten in a big city. Yeah. Bringing that more more suspects who are familiar with the case. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. See, I always have a... Sh- a struggle because some I'm like I feel like big cities tend to get a bad rep in the world of romance. It's always like big city versus small town. Yeah. But I do think for stories like this, small town absolutely works because this book felt so gritty and was mm-hmm. like really it was yeah, the police like Gregory comes to this small town to relax, and so you th- he's like thinking it's going to be cozy and chill, and mm-hmm. he has no idea what he walked into. Like there was nothing small town charming about this book. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, I have to tell you before you got on, Bree said to me, "I can't believe the same person who wrote Love at the Icicle Cafe wrote this book." <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I thought that was so funny. That's what I was thinking while I was reading it. I was like, no way. Is like, this was my favorite Christmas romance of 2020. This is not the same author. It's like checking the cover. Am I reading the same? Yeah. Yeah. I am such a wimp. And like, I'm also new to intrigue. So I think that that's a thing too that I'm just learning. Like, this book, it felt so realistic. Like taking, you know, Samantha being a blogger out of it, just the unfortunate death of somebody wanting to get down to it. And like, she has a feeling from the beginning, like it's this person. So we're really going with her just along the journey of trying to solve it. And like you said, that small town element, like everybody wants answers and the small, the the townspeople want to help, but they're also Mm -hmm. like fearful. Right. Uh, It was just, yeah, I, I can see the small town working better. Because, like, if it was in Chicago, would anybody... Unfortunately, murders in Chicago happen all the time. Would anybody right. care? Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know if you all know Investigation Discovery Channel. They have shows like Murder in the Heartland. They have these shows mm-hmm. that are specifically about murders in small towns because you just don't expect it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that surprise element and then and it's about that small community and these townspeople coming together trying to figure out who actually did this. Why would mm-hmm. they do this? And then you get the whole we don't have to lock our doors here. Things yeah. like this don't yes. happen here. So yes. I love that element, too. Yeah. Yep. So. OK, so one question that we always ask about Christmas romance, like what do you put on to get in the mood? Did you have anything on in the mood, like to get yourself in the mood for this? Were you watching oh, those shows? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't. Are you OK? Off. First of all, are you? Yeah. I hope so. I am not sure because I do go through periods. I went through a period where I started getting so paranoid that I had to just cut off the true crime cold turkey because I swear I live on the 31st floor of my building and expect that somebody somebody could be on my balcony. I got that crazy. (laughs) That's the only person it could be. So that's when you know you have to cut it off. Nobody is on your balcony, Denise. Please go have a seat. You You live on the 31st floor, okay? Their cardio is not that (laughs) Nobody's coming. Calm down. But you know, you just, it, it is, but yes, in spite of that, I still torture myself. I still watch it nonstop. Mm-hmm. Investigation Discovery is actually on in the background right now. So, and then if it's not that, I'm doing the YouTube channels yep. with all the true crime bloggers. So, yep. Yep. I, I'm, I'm addicted. What can I say? I remember being a kid watching Unsolved Mysteries. And oh, my yeah. brother and I would be sitting like on a Sunday night. And the last thing would be, and they were on their way to Canada. And my brother and I would be like, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're How coming you- to our house. They're, yeah. They're going to be at our front door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think that that's one of like I was thinking of unsolved mysteries when I was reading this I was because it used to come on what like lifetime when I was a kid and that was probably the only like true crime that I ever really got invested because it was like so sad that like yeah you know law enforcement just unfortunately there are those cases that like slide through the cracks like somebody Mm -hmm. was really that good that they Mm -hmm. couldn't get 
down to the bottom of it. So yeah. Yeah. Are, so is your, are you doing anything else with this series or is whatever comes out next going to be separate? What comes out next will be separate. So this one was a standalone mm-hmm. within that series of all the other standalones. But then the next book will be, um, I think my next two books will be standalones. But then after that, I've got a book coming out that'll be part of a series. Oh, I might have those two backwards, but 2022, I'll have um, the start of a series. The Love So you Family moved on Mysteries. to like a new kind of true crime crazy. Like yes. <laughs> you're done with the true, the um, unsolved mysteries. <laughs> You've moved on yes. to something else. Oh, we're, we've got serial killers coming up. We've got, we've got oh, some good stuff coming up. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm here it's for getting it. worse. loyalty felt like a heavy theme in the book gregory is loyal to law enforcement samantha is loyal to her followers and helping the family of her deceased friend jacob get answers for his murder uh whomever the bad guys are seem to be very loyal to keeping details of jacob's murder hidden leaving uh gattenberg's town people with the story they've been given there is all the loyalty that creates an element of fear because from the beginning we believe that the good guys are in on the bad stuff that's happening, which makes us fearful for Samantha and Gregory in their attempt to bring justice to Jacob's murder if law enforcement was involved. And obviously with Samantha's receiving death threats, there won't be a happily ever after if she winds up dead. What are you hoping readers took away from Samantha and Gregory's story? Well, for starters with Samantha, I hope readers will see her fearlessness and her desire to see justice be served and just fairness. You know, she just Mm -hmm. wants what's fair. She's not asking for much. Mm -hmm. I think that's something we can take away and deal with in our everyday lives too. We just, we want to see what's done be fair. You know, we want to see the justice served. And then as far as Gregory is concerned, I think sometimes, and we've probably seen this in real life, um, sometimes your loyalty is not the right way to go. It can get you in trouble. And I think in this case, he realized that maybe he needed to go against his brothers in blue and team up with Samantha because he knew that she was onto something with mm-hmm, this case. Yeah. And he wanted mm-hmm. to see justice be served because as a detective in this town, he doesn't want a killer to still be on the street. So once the facts were presented to him and he saw what might actually be happening, he said, you know what? I'm going to go against the grain, do what's right, and team up with this woman, even though she's not a member of law enforcement, and try and get to the bottom of this. So I think fairness, seeking justice, going against the grain, and just being brave, being brave. Mm -hmm. I hope that's what people take away from this, standing up for what's right for ourselves and for others who we can help. For sure. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, that level of fear was all throughout the book because... Mm -hmm. You are in this small town, and I mean, it's not a spoil. I'm not going to spoil it, but from the jump, you have that sense of like somebody that's supposed to be good is in on this, you know. Right. And you work your magic, and you you figure out who's who who done it in the end. Mm-hmm. But throughout the entire story, I think that that's what really had me afraid the most because it was like, well, if they solve it, then what? Because mm-hmm people that are supposed to be taking care of everyone may mm-hmm. be in on this. So mm-hmm. it, it just was like, how far is this really going to go? You know, right. it, and, and her cause is something that's so good. Like you're rooting for her. You <laughs> hope she solves it, but it's still yeah. like, how far can you go when the people yeah. that you should be looking to for help mm-hmm. are kind of suspect, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And you know, you'll be disappointed in somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. But isn't mm-hmm. that real life? Yeah. That mm-hmm. happens in real life. You know, when mm-hmm. we watch our murder mysteries or read the books, we do realize that sometimes, you know, it may be, it may not be who you think. It might no. be somebody you thought was good, you know, because even the guys who appear to be the good guys, they just aren't. So, yeah. yeah. So are you ready for some fill in the sentence and rapid fire? Yes. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Bree. I'll let you do it. All right. When I'm not writing, I'm. You all can already answer this one. I'm I'm watching true crime. Let's mix mix it up, though. I'm also watching tennis. I'm all in in the mix of the French Open right now. I love tennis, too. So that's a nice balance. If it gets too crazy with the crime, I can go watch Rafael Nadal, who's probably going to win the French Open. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The balance, the needed balance. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay, if Samantha were a real woman, 
the true crime shows she'd be obsessed with the, the true crime show that she would be obsessed with is and the author she'd say got her into mystery slash true crime would be who so one show what show and what author this show has got to be dateline it's one of the best so that would definitely be the show and i think for the author it would have to be james patterson yes you know he does it the best right he does yeah he's phenomenal so okay okay what yeah. james patterson would be her favorite oh shoot let me come back to that one okay let me come back to that one he's got so many well she you know what alex cross i was alex gonna say cross. anything from yes. alex cross yeah yes yes kiss the yeah. girls or along came a spider <laughs> yeah I, i'm gonna go with along came a spider yeah yeah okay yeah yeah mm-hmm. one hill i will wholeheartedly die on is you all might fight me. Everybody might fight me. We're all Twizzlers, friends here. Twizzlers are better than red vines. <laughs> I love I will Twizzlers. die on that hill. I will die on that hill. People want to argue with me. There's no there's no argument. I don't yeah. know, Sarah. What do you think? I we don't have red vines here in Canada. Just Twizzlers? Yes. That should tell you something. Right? We're <laughs> yeah, a civilized right. country. <laughs> Canada's <laughs> on to something. We're not even gonna make it an option, okay? That's right, right. yeah. <laughs> It's not worthy. Thank you. She just proved my point. Thank you. There you you go. (laughs) I grew up with Twizzlers. Like my mom loves Twizzlers. Uh She just buys the box Uh and uh, yeah, they're They're delicious. They're such an underrated, unappreciated snack. They are. They're so good. And at the movies, they're the best. You open up the bag and it's fresh. You stick your head in the bag and smell them. I love it. (laughs) No, I don't want to be a weirdo here, but I used to like bite the ends and put it in my Sprite at the movies. And why why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do that? (laughs) Okay, I didn't know if I was making it weirder. I would do that and then cut it in half and act like I was smoking a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was sophisticated. Right? So was, you were a sophisticated you know, lady. Yes, yeah. yes. I did that with straws as well, but now we're off topic. So. <laughs> the first song on the soundtrack to my life is? Closer to My Dreams by Guapale. Okay. Mm-hmm. My most comfortable song. attire is? T-shirts and sweats. Yes. Definitely. Yes, it's a staple at this point. Absolutely. (laughs) Right? (laughs) All right, rapid fire. Who was Mm -hmm. your celebrity, your celebrity crush as a teenage girl? I know as a young teenager, it was John Travolta, and I'm not embarrassed about it. You shouldn't be. (laughs) I still love John Travolta. He was a hottie. I hope he's listening, and I hope he calls (laughs) (laughs) So my mom's favorite movie is Saturday Night Fever. So I'm pretty Loved sure it. like yeah. either Grease or that was my first time seeing him. And I was like, I fool with you, John Travolta. Absolutely. That yep. dancing, you cannot deny him. He's That's gorgeous. what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He could dance. He could sing a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. He picked mm-hmm. all the right roles. Mm-hmm. I want him to start being in movies again. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So handsome. <laughs> yeah. Who was the first romance novel heroine to really resonate with you? And what was it about her specifically? So Lucky Santangelo. I don't know if you all remember Jackie Collins' Lucky series. And it's ridiculous that this woman would resonate with me. She was the daughter of a, of a man who was a mafia leader. So why, why would she, (laughs) why did she resonate with me? But I loved Lucky. Okay. And she she was beautiful. She grew up to run a big casino and hotel in Las Vegas. And she was badass. I, I, she probably put hits out on people. I'm, I'm not sure. But, you know, she just, she was just like a little female baby gangster. And I thought that was so, but, but she wasn't a bad guy. You know, mm-hmm. she was a good, she was good. But still, she was really, really tough. And I, but still feminine and beautiful. And I just, I love that about her character. I feel like that's that city girl in you. Like yes. the city girls mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. have that sass and that yes. toughness, you know? Yep. Yep. She was so tough and I love that toughness. So. I just am in total awe because I'm like, my sweet Denise in Wheatley is <laughs> <laughs> a true crime lover and yeah. loves like mafia story <laughs> yes if there's another side to the candy canes and hot chocolate and stockings hanging over the fireplaces there is another side 
I hope I don't disappoint you. You are <laughs> not. I just, you know, hey, I love it. Okay, we're going to roll with it. <laughs> 15 years from now, you're writing your memoir. What's the title? I did it my way. I love it. Let me write that down because that might be the title of this episode. Okay. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) What's one thing people would be surprised to know about you? I mean, I'm surprised about the true crime, but we can't use that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's one thing that will fit what you think of me. I don't drink alcohol. So I'm not a drinker. I've disappointed a lot of people with that because even though I used to, you know, go out and party and have fun, I never drank. I've never had, I've tasted alcohol. So I know I've had a sip of it. I know what it tastes like, but I've never had a drink. So I've never had like a glass of champagne or a bottle of beer. I've, I've never done it. I've never, never drink any wine. No, I do not like, I won't even eat rum balls. I won't eat rum cake I, I, with alcohol. I don't drink either. I, I really? never really have. Yeah, no, yeah. I was always the designated. Everywhere we mm-hmm. went, that's Me why too. people were my friend. Yeah. I think that's the only yeah. reason. <laughs> you watch the purses, you drive, right? absolutely. You yeah. know? But that's yeah, I've never people. been yeah. a huge yeah. drinker. Like, the couple of times that I went out and, like, had drinks with friends, like, I blacked out horribly yes. one time. Oh, and I was no. like, no, no more. Never yeah. again. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is so appealing about this? Like, waking yeah. up hungover, like, my throat hurt. I was like, th- mm. there is nothing fun about this. So yeah. I was done. <laughs> such, a, such a lightweight, too. It was awful. I think I better have three drinks. That was the yeah. joke Why is that I was me? such a lightweight I could sniff the bottle cap and I'd be good for the rest of the night. Yes, it's <laughs> like awful. I'm done. Yeah, I'm good. Sorry. Yeah. It's like I will buy a bottle of wine and it'll sit in the for the fridge for months and then mm-hmm. I'll take a sip and I'm like, oh well now it's bad. Let me just throw it away. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just I never I mean it's fun. To, I think it's like I've always been aware of like if I'm at the club and I'm really drunk, I have no idea what's gonna happen. I yeah. just I think it's just that like woman being aware of like yeah i i don't want to get to the point where i'm not aware of my surroundings yeah and i don't know i'm not going to get started on the true crime thing but if you all watch it (laughs) that's how a lot of it starts right you put your drink down you're not paying attention these poor women i just you watching you're like ma'am please don't go outside by yourself don't try to walk home alone don't do it and oh don't get me i I won't get started (laughs) you all know where i'm going with that (laughs) that is like the thing that i think i respect about it the most like unfortunately you are watching that somebody got murdered, but yes, it's a precautionary thing. It really Absolutely is. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. You learn a lot about what not to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I mean, it comes to being a victim and learning, don't kill anybody because you might end up on death row. So don't do that either. Yeah, right. I <laughs> don't go out after dark. If I'm going mm-hmm. to the grocery store, even if it's mm-hmm. during the daytime, I park yep. in the front and it's so yep. sad that we have to live that way, but yes. it's real life. <laughs> it's a scary world. I agree. I'm the same way. What's, what is one movie you will never stop watching? You know, I love Bette Midler's movie Beaches. <gasps> I love wow. Beaches. And I cry every time. Yes. I cry every time. Like, I didn't, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, that was oh. such a good movie, though. So, yeah, that's one I'll always watch. Oh, you it. will rewatch a movie that you know is going to make you cry. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and then I love also Pretty Woman, Julia Roberts' movie Pretty Woman. I love Pretty Woman. Yeah. I just watched that for the first time, I think, like three months ago. Really? Yes, really? I did. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Did you like it? I loved it. Yes. Oh, God. Now, the slap. I did not like the slap, but it was such a good mm. movie. Oh, I yeah. was yeah. pissed. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, a little fun fact about that movie, the man who wrote the original screenplay, he said that by the time they were done with that movie, he did not even recognize it, and he wanted his name taken off of it. Really? He said that Why? was not the movie that he wrote. I guess they made so many changes that weren't in the original script and he was upset about it. So wow. he, he did not like it at all. Yeah. Yeah. I like it's one of my mom's again, my mom's favorite movies, but like I, I remember us always watching my best friend's wedding and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I remember Julia Roberts in a bunch of rom coms. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, You have to watch Pretty Woman, like order it. And so I I ordered it and I watched it and I was like, Wow, like this is Julia Roberts was gorgeous. What I was just gosh, gonna say, wasn't yeah. she so beautiful? She was so beautiful in <laughs> mm-hmm. that movie. Even yeah. with that awful wig in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
was like, Julia, girl, where's that long, gorgeous red hair? Yeah. Well, that's what made it so shocking when she took the wig off and you saw all that hair. And that's what Richard Gere, that's what caught his attention, right? Like, oh, yep. wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They were yep. such a good, a good Yeah, that pairing. was a, that movie they was were. a staple of my childhood. That one and Dirty Dancing. I mean, I was watching movies that I should not have been watching as a child, but <laughs> of course. Dirty Dancing to this day is still like <laughs> Yeah. Oh, love it. I, I watched a, a YouTube video on um how dirty dancing is like super feminist and i was like i need to watch it now that i have this new perspective because the youtuber broke it down and i was like look at this old movie making some <laughs> feminist moves back in the That's day right. nobody really paid attention <laughs> to it. okay ebook audiobook and print copy what is your preferred reading method i am old school i still love a print copy of a book. I have a lot on my Kindle, of course, but I love, I love print books. Yeah. The covers feeling in my hands, turning the pages. I I love that. Mm -hmm. I'll never get sick of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was the last book you read? I'm actually still reading it. And it's interesting. It's uh, Monica Sellis's autobiography. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I've been really, I've always been a huge fan. And then after she got stabbed, that just, you know, I still remember that actually happening. So I've always really been intrigued by her her story. So I'm that's what I'm currently reading right now. And unfortunately, lately I haven't had a lot of time to read yeah. um, with the deadlines. But and then I have this habit. I like to reread books. I have read Whacked by Jules Asner, and I'm sure you all might have seen this on my social media. And she's come undone by Wally Lamb. How many times do I need to read those two books? <laughs> How many times? It's ridiculous. I so, love that. Yeah, I love rereading books. And then Alyssa Coles, when no one is watching, that's up Ooh. next. Yeah. Okay. It was oh, good. That's a good one. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah. yeah. I'm that looking forward to that one. Too. It's kind of scary, I know. Though. That one was. That one, even for me, that was a little, you know. <laughs> <laughs> a little scary. Um, okay. So lastly, is there anything you can share about what's coming up next from you? I heard like the word Bayou thrown yeah. out, like what's <laughs> up next? So next, well, after Cold Case True Crime releases at the end of this month, I've got the sequel to uh, She Gets What She Wants coming out in September, which will be She Gets What She Deserves. That's part of my Fearless Fairy Tale series. Okay. And then I've got the follow-up to, it's not a sequel, but it's just my follow-up to uh, Love at the Icicle Cafe coming out in October with Thule. That's Christmas in full bloom. Yay. So, Bree, I'll be, I'll be back in your good graces with that one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for taking it easy on me. Okay. You are very welcome. <laughs> and then we've got Bayou Christmas Disappearance coming out in December with Harlequin Intrigue. And that Yay. one is, is, is going to be a lot. It's a doozy. It's about a high profile disappearance and I've got my conspiracy theorist character in it. So nice. lots of, lots of twists and turns. Nice. So, what made yeah. you choose like the Bayou setting? Mm -hmm. We talked about this a little bit. I love the mystery. It just feels something about it just feels so mysterious and those yep. swamp lands are scary. And the, that I, I just envisioned the fog mm -hmm. and the sugar cane uh, fields and, there, a big part of it is this old rundown shack, you know, and it's where my main character went. It's a small town where mm -hmm. my main character went to college mm -hmm. and uh, a woman goes missing whose family is very high profile. And uh, she's got this crazy narcissistic husband that you'll get to know. Uh, and this, her twin brother, who's a conspiracy theorist. So that yeah. one, that, that one is oh, an I'm interesting really one. I'll say that. that. Yeah. Yeah. The whole Bayou thing is just fascinating because if you wanted to get rid of someone all you have to do is throw them in those swamps i mean there's gators and all yep, types of right? other stuff and yeah louisiana has its own like folklore attached to it i yes. just oh gosh i want that we we want the book so we're we're yep. rooting for it we can't wait for it to come out when does it come out again december -ish? it'll be out in december but it'll be available for pre-order sooner than that i'm not sure yet Okay. So, and I'm still waiting on the cover too. So hopefully I'll get to do my cover reveal in July for Christmas in July. Yay. So oh my gosh. I'm looking yes. forward to that. Yeah. Yes. yes. So. Oh my gosh. Well, as soon as you have something, please share it with us please. so that we can I most certainly it. will. 
because yes. we love Christmas and Bayou is definitely it's a buzzword. buzzword for both of us. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's Alaska and Bayou. We're just be like, get here's all of our money. Here it is. Yeah. 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 Just take, take it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the goods. Yep. Gotcha. So where can everybody follow you online? So I am on Instagram, uh, Denise underscore Wheatley underscore writer. Okay. And I'm on Twitter, Denise Wheatley and Facebook as Denise Wheatley and uh, my uh, writer's blog, uh, DeniseNWheatley.com. So that includes my middle name, which is Nicole, for those who might not know that. Denise hmm. Nicole Wheatley. So, yep, DeniseNWheatley.com. And I keep that updated with everything I've got coming out and giveaways and things like that, too. So, awesome. yeah, your blog is incredible. I was like, oh, she actually updates her blog, too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I certainly you try. <laughs> you are welcome. I certainly try. I've kind of, I want to start featuring more authors again. I was doing a lot of that. Then, you know, just, I, I keep talking about deadlines, but they're there, the deadlines. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I do try and keep it updated with my new work that's coming out. I'll be featuring a new author actually in the month of June. So we'll be on the lookout for that. Yeah. yeah. That's what it, it feels like. It felt like, like you were sharing parts of um, just, I think you were still writing maybe cold case true crime and it's mm -hmm. like as a reader it felt like getting a little bit of a snippet but then also I was like I feel like if, if I were an aspiring writer she's sharing something with me here mm -hmm. and I really love that oh. I, I I love seeing kind of the Harlequin authors seem to be really supportive of each other or, or writers yeah. in general romance authors yeah. in general just seem to be really supportive and I'm like I'm reading this a certain way, but if I were trying to write a book, I feel like she's she's showing me something. I think that's so cool. Oh, well, thank you. You know what? I actually teamed up with another author. Her name is VJ Allison, and she writes for Ecstasy Books. And we did a two-part series on my website about how to write a novel. And both of us kind of just gave our input on how we get our books written, you know, what it takes, how we got published. We talked about self-publishing versus traditional publishing. So, and that one has gotten thousands of views. It got a lot of views. It gets a lot of hits because I think it's helpful. Mm -hmm. So that's there okay. too. If, if any aspiring writers are looking for advice and then on Instagram, I'm always, I'm, you all know, I'm very active and open. I have authors uh, DM me all the time, aspiring writers with questions and so forth. So I'm always open oh, nice. to giving advice. Okay. Yeah, so that post is still on your website? It is. Awesome. I think I have it featured okay. along on the right side, right column to its feature there. Okay. okay. We'll get a link and we'll put it in show notes. So make sure you guys check out the show notes. All of Denise and Wheatley's information will be down there. Keep up with her. Yes. Stay tuned for what's to come because we have a couple of titles coming from her yep. <laughs> for yep. the rest of 2021, which is exciting. <laughs> um, and Sarah and I will chat with you guys in our next episode. Have a lovely day, everybody. Bye.